Hello, and welcome to the Sussex County Teacher Edition of the Shift for Wellness podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Caputo, and this space has been created just for you as it promotes living with ease while facing challenges and tragedies with courage and resilience. Stress and anxiety levels in students have become a major issue in the classroom, and that's why I'm super excited you tuned in because this series is all about what teachers in the county of Sussex, in the state of New Jersey, are doing in the name of social and emotional learning. One of the things I've come to know about facing challenges and tragedies is that our kiddos are suffering greatly from them, and year after year, I witness these levels increasing. Students trust themselves less, they lack resiliency, as well as the ability to cope with minor disruptions. As the Sussex County Teacher of the Year for the 2019-2020 school year, it's become my mission to seek out those teachers in the county who are also implementing best practices of social and emotional learning, in particular, the practices of yoga and mindfulness in the classroom. These teachers are making tremendous shifts in the learning process for kids. And with the help of our Executive County Superintendent of Schools, Dr. Rosalie Lamont, and all the chief administrators in the county, I've been able to make some connections, hear some stories, and learn about the healthy goodness that's happening in our classrooms to help our kids of all ages, K through 12, build strong social and emotional character, which creates a solid foundation to confront the personal, and academic challenges they're facing. Today I'm speaking with Maggie Riley, who is a third grade teacher at the Valley Road School in Stanhope, New Jersey. Welcome, Maggie. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you here. So first, I want to thank you for taking the time to speak with me today and for sharing your work with our listeners. I know that you're back from spring break. I'm just back from my spring break, and it's our first day back from spring break. And so I don't know about you, but I know that getting back into that routine, um, it's a it's a little tough, right? Um but I'm so excited to just be here and chat with you and hear all the things that you have to share with us about social and emotional learning with your students. So well, can thank you, you. You're welcome. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been teaching, and how you're implementing social and emotional learning with your kids? Absolutely. Um, so I have been um, teaching for about two full years. Um, I graduated college in 2017 and moved back to New Jersey, um, mostly because they have the best best schools in the state. So I really wanted to get back home. And I was lucky enough to get um, a position at a school in my district where I grew up, which was really exciting. Um, it really helped me get to know the children a lot better. I was already comfortable with the community. So I really enjoyed that. Um, and then social emotional learning at our school has really taken off since I've been there, which was great for me because I just jumped right into it. Maggie, last week we interviewed your partner, Stephanie Diano, who's also a third grade teacher with you there at Valley Road School. And she talked about how you both have really great mindfulness programs in your classroom and you have a strong mindfulness practice, a personal mindfulness practice. And I wanted to know if you could maybe speak more to how you and Stephanie work together as partners, even though you have your own separate classrooms. And um, I know that there's some things that you might do that are the same, but you carry them out a little bit differently in your classroom. Can you speak to that a little bit? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, Stephanie and I both came into third grade together, never teaching third grade before. And so we really were lucky enough that we got to kind of plan our year how we wanted to do it. And so we both wanted to make a big push for mindfulness in our classrooms. Um, I got really into essential oils when I was in college. And so that kind of meeting um, new people, that kind of kicked me into the mindfulness way. And I kind of really started practicing it on my own. And that made me want to practice it with my students. In the classroom, um, we do mindfulness activities multiple times a day. Um, one of them is that the kids, every morning they come right in, and the first thing that they do is check in on YooHoo. Stephanie and I both have them check in first thing in the morning because it's super important, I think, to just see how they're feeling when they come in and if there's anything bugging them from their morning or from the night before. But then I just recently, um, about two months before online school started, <laughs> I uh, recently started having the kids recheck in after lunch and this started to be something that I really needed to look at every single day because sometimes the kids something would happen at lunch or they would get upset and they just wouldn't tell me about it and then they would shut down the whole rest of the day so having them check in right when they come back from lunch has let me kind of get a hold on their emotions and get ahead of them shutting down or them breaking down before we keep going with our work. Yeah, and you know, I think that you having them do that is also teaching them a lesson that all throughout the day, I'm going to feel one way, then I'm going to feel another, then I'm going to feel another, and it's it's okay to not keep that steady emotion all throughout the day because that's just not realistic. That's just not how we're wired to be. Right, absolutely. I love that. And then we also do these um, breathe like a bear activities. We, st we do them the same right when we start our day in the morning and then we end our day with one. But in the beginning of the school year, one big thing that I do with it is I introduce all of the breathing exercises to the kids. That way they can use them on their own and whenever they need them. So one of their big favorite ones that I see them using under their desk all the time is just taking five and you know tracing their hand and getting five deep breaths and so I'll even see some kids tell each other like hey go take five if you need to and so it's it's nice to see them using them not just when I'm you know making them do them on the carpet that's wonderful so you have classmates suggesting breathwork practices to other classmates in your room yeah it it's pretty it's pretty spectacular to see it really is because they've truly integrated all that you're teaching them and I love that you've addressed um, that you've presented all the different breathwork techniques to them and then they get to use whichever one is going to be best for them that's so wonderful right and I last year I did not introduce them all <laughs> I was kind of afraid that they would get tired of them um, but this year it's been exciting because now every day when I pull out the book, the kids are like, oh, I want this one. I want to do this one because they know which ones that they love and, and work best for them. That's dynamite. How about the essential oils? You mentioned that earlier. Do you do anything with essential oils in the classroom with the kids? So I don't do um, anything with them specifically with the oils. Um, 
just because I, I wouldn't want to make any of their parents uncomfortable if they weren't using them at all. But I do have two diffusers in the classroom, mm-hmm. um, and I change the oil twice a day, and I do let the kids kind of help me pick out what they need. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's whatever Miss Riley needs. If she needs some uplifting, <laughs> that's what's going on. But yeah. it is nice to see them ask about it and and notice you know what can this do for my body and what can it do for my just my mental state right now and so a lot of them will even get like upset for a second and and walk up to the diffuser and take a deep breath and then walk back it's wonderful so it's nice to see them really taking charge of their own emotions you know what I loved when the diffusers when the kids see the diffusers in my classroom they connect with it right away because the majority of my students already have one in their home or even have one. Absolutely. Yeah, and I love that that's part of the normal conversation now because not only is there one in their home, but a lot of them have them in their bedrooms, and they're able to speak to which oils help them for different ailments that they have. Yeah. It's just so I have one student who, since we've started um, the home learning and online learning, he has sent me a picture every day via email of his diffuser and what oil he's using. It's so cute. <laughs> that is great. And you know, for Christmas this year, I got a beautiful package of a diffuser and all different kinds of essential oils. It was just an unbelievable gift. It was very, very generous. And um, just like you said, the kids love to know what oils are there and they like to make recommendations of what kind of oils yes. to diffuse into the classroom. Maggie, can you speak a little bit about any of the mindfulness training that you've had? Yes. Um, Last fall, I went to a training put on by the Center of Prevention and Counseling. Um, It is part of their school social, their school networking that they do every month. Um, And it was all about mindfulness. And Kira Wiley, who's actually the author of Breathe Like a Bear, was um, speaking there. And then some teachers from Sussex Tech were speaking about their Zen room that they started. And so um, we took that back to our school. And then I've also gone this year to the social emotional character development training that is put on by the NJSBF. Um, I went to that. It was a free program for educators. Um, I know right now there's a wait list for it, but it was an awesome training that came with this whole guide on social emotional learning. And so I was able to take that back to my school as well. Maggie, you mentioned a Zen room. Can you talk a little bit more about that? I'd love to know what they shared and if you've done anything with that. Absolutely. So the teachers who presented about the Zen room, um, they just shared that what they do is they offer it every day. Um, I believe it was a stipend position for um, an aide, and they would sit, they, the kids could sign up. It was a max of 15 kids, so it wasn't too crowded, and the kids would just come in. They had to bring a book, or they could just lay with their eyes closed. And so we kind of just took those exact Um, the exact model, those rules, and we introduced it to just third and fourth grade. And so one fourth grade teacher and I, we would volunteer once a week. We called them Mindfulness Mondays. And we would just let the kids come into our classrooms. We would play some quiet music, and we would also unplug from any electronics and just read or just sit with the kids. Um, The kids loved it. 
there was a huge wait list at first. They were signing up every week. Um, we actually extended it into two different classrooms so that we could just split it up a little bit more so it wasn't too crowded. But then again, once the spring came in um, and the kids wanted to go outside for recess, we did see a big drop in who was coming. And so I think that maybe next year, if we wanted to roll this out again, we would just need a few more resources and maybe a separate room, not using somebody's classroom um, and just having it opened so that it's not it's not a big deal if only one pitch shows up to it. Um, that's fine. When it was just the teachers, it was tough to to use your own time for only one or two students. So it got tough. But then I hope that if we can roll it out again, we would just need some a lot more resources. And so you, I heard that when it was spring, the kids wanted to be outside. So when you do this, when you offer this Zen room opportunity to the kids, it's during recess time. Yes, it is during recess. So it's um, 20 minutes, they get 40 minutes. So it's 20 for lunch and 20 for recess. So they would miss their whole recess. Okay. What kind of resources did you have in the Zen room other than, were there any others other? Cause I know you said the kids were, um, reading and they were unplugging. So mm -hmm. I'm curious to know what kind of resources you did use and, you know, if it is even necessary to have resources in there for the kids. Um, so we actually thoughts? didn't, I wouldn't provide the students with any of the resources. They would be required if they wanted to read a book, they had to bring that book with them um, just to limit distractions and, and talking. And then the only electronics I would leave on is the music. Um, but I think that it was important for the students to see this teacher who is running the Zen room also be involved and unplugged. Um, and that just was, I would hope that maybe not more resources like books and things like that, but just resources as people and volunteers to do it um, so that not everyone or not one person has to be in charge of it the whole time. Right, because there, the benefit is definitely there. Even if you have one or two students signing up to come to the Zen room, that is so important just for that one or two kids. However, if it, right. is, it, if it is the same teacher over and over and over again, that teacher needs their time. They need to have their own wellness to be able to step away and take a break and take a breath. So I think it is a good idea to have more more teachers as your resources to just kind of cycle through and everybody does a Monday. Everybody picks a Monday. That sounds like a good idea. Right. Yeah. And yeah, it even we even found that when one or only one or two students would show up, you know, it would almost hurt my feelings because I was like, oh, aren't you so excited about this, this Zen room we're starting? And so it, it was tough to, to let the kids not come, but you, you want them to go outside and have fun. So it's, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a toughie. Sure. Because I think a lot of the times as teachers, we personalize everything as well. Right. Right. So right. I think what, what it sounds like might be a good idea too, is um, like, I'm so excited um, for you to share your contact information with everyone, because I bet you are giving, you know, our listeners that are hearing your story about the Zen room, I'm sure that they are just as excited as I am hearing it. And 
it would be so great for you to get this whole group of people together from all different districts and and really roll out not just teachers in your school but throughout the county what can zen rooms for kids and for faculty and staff what could they really look like and what kind of resources can be in there I think absolutely. that's really absolutely. great. And I love that, too, that the faculty and staff should be able to use it because we they need it just as much as the students do most days. Yeah, and I wonder if kicking it off with coming up with, like, collaborating on some type of survey for the kids, um, what, what makes them want to be in that Zen room? Um, what makes them want to go out for recess rather than be in the Zen room? I bet every day would be different. And I'm sure there's also peer issues happening. Like, well, all my friends are going outside, so I don't, you know, I want to go outside with my friends. So it'd be great to get feedback from the kids and have them in on the planning of it as well. Yeah, that would be an awesome idea. I love that. Maggie, before I wrap up and ask you to share your contact information with our listeners, is there anything else you want to share with uh, districts that are listening that maybe they can implement in their own classrooms or in their own schools that can help with social and emotional learning? Absolutely. One of the best things that I've taken away from um, the mindfulness trainings I've gone to is to think about the social and emotional standards that you want your kids to really excel at um is it optimism is it empathy do they really need help with growth mindset and just to not try to get through every single thing in one year sometimes you might need to focus on empathy for a whole school year with your students and so that was one of the things I took away the most was that every year is going to be different every classroom is going to be different and it's just always going to be changing. Yeah. Themes are always great. I know a lot of the times I'm speaking for myself in particular, you bite off more than you can chew. And then I think having the one theme for the whole school year is a great idea. That's good information. Maggie, you have shared so many really great ideas with us today. What is your favorite part in all of this? I would have to say, um, I just love that social and emotional learning is so easy to implement in your everyday teaching. Um, I know myself, I feel overwhelmed as an educator. Every faculty meeting I go to, I feel like there's another thing to add to my pile of things to do. And so this was nice to be able to go to this training and learn about social and emotional learning and just be able to implement it in small ways daily. That's great. Thank you for that, Maggie. Are you willing to share your contact information with the listeners? So if there's anyone else that has any questions for you, they can reach out? Absolutely. Um, My name on Facebook is just Maggie Riley. It's M-A-G-G-I-E. And then Riley is R-E-I-L-L-Y. My email is mriley at stanhopeschools.org. Great. Thank you so much for your time, Maggie. It was a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you so much for having me. I had so much fun. 
I loved learning about Maggie's journey through her mindfulness practice and all the steps she's taking to continue to learn more and share with her students. The simple shift shared in this interview today is that opportunities for educating yourself on how to be mindful and how you can bring the practice into your classroom are popping up all around us. The great new podcast to listen to right now is The Mindful Classroom with T.J. Belasco, who's my colleague and friend and also Cape May County Teacher of the Year for the 20. 2019-2020 school year. The Mindful Educators podcast by Erin and Dave Tashian is another great one to listen to. Erin also runs mindfulness trainings for schools and businesses, and you can connect with her at The Whole Learner on Twitter and also on her website, erintashian.com. And all of these neat resources that I'm sharing with you today are linked on the show notes at shiftforwellness.com slash 45. Maggie mentioned free workshops from the Center for Prevention and Counseling in Sussex County and the NJSBF, which is the New Jersey State Bar Foundation. I've linked the social and emotional character development page from the NJSBF site, which offers registration links for their free workshops as well as free downloadable social and emotional handouts for elementary, middle, and high school levels. They are fantastic. You really need to check them out. Mindfulness can be practiced in so many ways, and at its core, it's all about centering and finding that time to pause and tune into the needs of the brain, body, and breath. Maggie's enthusiasm for the practice is driving her forward in her pursuit to integrate this practice into the culture of her classroom, and her students will benefit in so many wonderful ways. I would again like to thank the Superintendent of Schools, Mr. Steve Hagman, and Principal Mrs. Alicia DiCataldo for allowing me to highlight their district and for supporting the implementation of best practices in social and emotional learning. I would also like to take this opportunity to again thank Maggie Riley, third grade teacher at Valley Road School in Stanhope, New Jersey, for making herself available at what has proven to be a very overwhelming time for teachers and for sharing her practices with us. You're going to want to catch Maggie in action this Wednesday, May 13th at 9 a.m. on NJTV. Tune in to see her lesson on fractions with a fun fractions in your name activity. Maggie will also be running viewers through a 10-minute mindfulness brain break. Remember, you can reach out to Maggie with any questions you have about how to make the practice of mindfulness or the creation of a Zen room a part of your school culture. Maybe let her know you're interested in collaborating on the idea of what Zen rooms can look like in schools. Maggie can be reached by email at mriley at stanhopeschools.org, on Facebook at Maggie Riley, and Twitter at Miss Riles. To learn more about making mindfulness a part of your lifestyle and classroom instruction, listen to the four-part mindfulness series here on the Shift for Wellness podcast titled The Mindful Human. You can also read about it in the article titled Mindfulness is Not a Class Period, It's a Lifestyle. That can be found in the show notes accompanying this episode at shiftforwellness.com 45. Keep the excitement going, folks, and continue to listen in here on other interviews from teachers in Sussex County who share their social and emotional learning practices in the classroom. Check out the blog by logging into Shift for Wellness, 
and get a glimpse of some pictures that are shared of their classroom experiences and their classroom practices. And remember, it's not about being perfect. It's about being easy with the practice.